Hello and welcome to Take 18, a podcast where we love to talk about movies because we love the movies. This show is produced by the Central Coast Film Society. My name is Daniel Lair. I am the founder and executive director of the Central Coast Film Society. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you here with us to uh, catch up with us on this uh, pretty awesome show that we have for you as well. Um, we're going to be talking with Randy Barros, professor and also filmmaker uh, at Cal Poly and uh, award-winning filmmaker. And our own Sarah Risley will be here to talk about women in film and television, uh, a new organization in the slow chapter that's going to be opening up and uh, lots of awesome information about getting involved here locally on the Central Coast with them. And uh, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, a little bit about the the movies and uh, some situations going on out there. Kind of interesting what's going on with uh, Disney and the uh, uh, some lawsuits that have have uh, come up recently. So we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, but before we do, please make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. We want to make sure that you can go back and check out everything that we do as soon as we have uh, new podcasts that come out as well. You're alerted to it. So just hit that subscribe button, whatever format you're on. We're on everything. We're on like Apple uh, Podcasts. We're on Spotify. You could just also subscribe to our social media and it pops up right there as well. So that way you never miss anything that's going on. We get amazing guests that come on the show. And like I, I still kind of have to pinch myself over looking back at who has been on the show and the stories that they've shared. It really is phenomenal. And we just keep getting bigger and better. And you don't want to miss that. So throughout this podcast series, we actually look into a series of events with uh our, our events that we have, we have our reviews, our news, and all that fun stuff. So we're going to jump into that and then bring in our guests, and we're going to do that right now. Well, it was a better weekend this weekend than it was last weekend for box office reports, even though that the uh, Delta variant is kind of rearing its ugly head, and it's uh, definitely putting a, a, a mark on the economy and it, it it's a bummer we even have to bring it up but it, it really does affect everybody's lives and economy in in different ways but it, you know it definitely affects the movie industry that's been coming out and um so this this last weekend um uh, according to boxofficemojo.com the uh the movie going public actually spent about 10 percent more than it did um the prior uh weekends which just kind of went down the tubes um, but number one movie this weekend, aha, Jungle Cruise. That's right, my movie that I've been waiting for a long time. I did go see it. I'll give a little uh, spoiler-free uh, review here in just a moment. Um, but to talk about it, it, it was number one, but man, is that a really kind of sad number one. It came in with a grand total of $34 million um, in theaters. Uh, there was an additional $30 million that um, Disney says it, it got on its uh, uh, Disney Plus subscription plan um, for those who want to you know, pay a, a, an extra 30 bucks, which means essentially a million people uh, bought it online, um, which is nothing to snuff at. But, you know, it, it's just kind of an interesting thing that the, the movie came in a little bit above of what their projections were. And it, it's... Uh, it is interesting, you know, if for a movie, this movie costs $200 million to make, you know, it's got, it's got a, a lot of money, a lot of star power behind it. Um, if it was any other time, this would be a flop. It would be the biggest dud 
in the world. But of course, with COVID and theaters and mandates and all that going on right now, um, this is okay. You know, it, it it's not it's not the best news I think they're looking for, but it it I think is squeaking them by. Um, it, it is hard to see how theatrically uh, this movie is going to rise up to <laughs> to make any money, which which is sad um, because uh, we'll we'll talk about it again. I actually I enjoyed the movie. So here's a spoiler to my non spoiler review. I enjoyed the movie. Um, but again, it's just trying to um, get people back into the theaters and to feel comfortable and safe enough to go out there and do that. And it's just a rough time because these movie studios have all these movies that have been on hold for over a year and they have no one to show it to. They have no way to make money on it. And so they're trying to find the best ways possible, which is getting them uh, into the streaming services. Every, every studio now has its own streaming service. And they are releasing them. In some situations, there are co-current uh, releases where it's on a streaming service plus theatrical release at the same time. Uh, we've been seeing that there was issues with that uh, a while ago with some of the big retail, um, not retail, but the big cinemas, the big chain cinemas out there, you know, the AMCs, the Regals, uh, Cinemarks. And with uh, some things at Universal and uh, I believe Warner Brothers were the other studios that kind of had these arrangements where movies played in the theaters for X amount of time before they went to a streaming series or home video release. And it's definitely the reason why there was an issue here is because they, they don't want to be bypassed. The theaters have been around since the dawn of movie going experiences and so films would land in theaters that's just what you do and that's their lives and and it it makes a point that that's why they're fighting for it but you know on the other hand that's not where the money is right now and it's it's the the market is people are going to want to do this at home because it's safe and it's secure now if you're asking for my opinion i i will go to the theater any chance i can um, I, I think that there is an experience there of going to the theater. And I've mentioned this before my other pod, on my other podcast here that, that, you know, there's something about going there on opening night and being there with everybody else who is just so jazzed and so excited to be a part of the group of people that are going and it's a shared experience and that you just can't do in your jammies on the couch at home. It's just not the same. Um, but again, it's safer, you know, and, and that's always going to be the case. But, uh, yeah, I guess I like to live on the wild side and go out there and experience it. Now, um, this is also causing some problems. It was causing problems, like I said, with theaters, but now, uh, we see that there, there's some, uh, a lawsuit that came forward, uh, recently by Scarlett Johansson, uh, the star of Black Widow. Um, Black Widow came out a couple weeks ago and same thing where it came out on Disney Plus and it came out in theaters. Well, according to uh, Miss Johansson, the the uh, contract that she signed didn't really take that into account and or, or did. And it said that Black Widow was to have a theatrical release for X amount of time before it went to streaming or home 
uh, uh, viewing, which is very similar to what kind of the arrangements that theaters had before. Well, Disney kind of said, but you don't understand. We have to do it this way, and we're going to. So obviously this is where you know the the business finance uh financial side of things and <laughs> what they're going to do just kind of clashed and it's become a a pretty big clash um there's been quite a big stir about it and it's it's just kind of interesting to see that these are the issues that Hollywood has to deal with now in uh in a covid world where everybody's streaming online and they have that capabilities that the technology is there it's possible um and it's uh, it is interesting to see now how they're going to be juggling this moving forward, especially with movies that are releasing. I mean, um, you know, nobody's talking uh, there's speculation, but same thing that's going on with Jungle Cruise or Cruella, uh, the same sort of thing that went on there where it it released out for Disney on um, on the streaming service and theater at the same time. And if there were any anything that may have happened there, who knows? Um, you know, I'm not privy to anything like that, but it just would be interesting. Anyways, so um, but now let's move on to Jungle Cruise itself. I want to talk about that non-spoiler review, and I'm also going to preface um, this with the uh, caveat that I am a former world famous Jungle Cruise skipper. Uh, world famous for being world famous. You could catch me in Adventureland going around on my little boat every 10 minutes uh, for quite a while. I was out there doing that, telling really bad jokes. And this movie, um, I'm not going to lie, when, when I heard about it, I was thrilled. I was ecstatic <laughs> as soon as they, they announced that The Rock was going to be um, starring in it, Dwayne Johnson. uh I said, well, you know, if you asked any Jungle Cruise skipper, who would you want to have play you in a movie? I think they would all probably say someone of that ilk. And, um, you know, and it, it, it was uh, it was exciting. It was exciting that, you know, we were going to get some love on the uh, silver screen. And the trailer came out and the trailer came out after actually they revealed like behind the scenes photos of this massive, beautiful set that they built in Hawaii. Um but then when the trailer came out, my heart kind of sank a little bit. And I was like, oh, no, there's so much CGI. There's it's no, no, it's it, it, there's fantasy elements. There's no fantasy elements really in, in Jungle Cruise. It's it's Adventureland. This is all adventure. And um, and then, of course, you know, I, I I'm catching myself and I go, no, wait, you got to think there's there's all kinds of fantasy elements. I mean, look at the Tiki Room for crying out loud. You know, it's a magical room where birds and flowers and uh, wooden carvings all come to life and start singing. So there's different elements. And so I'm I, I got over that. Uh, but still, you know, looking like the movie was a cross between uh, Pirates of the Caribbean the mummy, you know, um, a little bit Indiana Jones. Uh, I was worried that it was just going to be so blended up that I was not going to enjoy the movie and I was going to be feeling really bad for myself and a bunch of my friends who also have, you know, gotten really excited that there was going to be a movie about the jungle cruise. Um, so we went and saw the movie, uh, my wife and I, and uh, my wife is also a former skipper. We were skippers at the same time. So we went in and uh, we watched the film. And I, I got to tell you, first reactions was I was pleasantly surprised. 
by um, how much uh, love they showed the skippers because the jokes that we have to say all the time it was it, it does get uh, grueling and daunting and you know and I worked out at uh, Walt Disney World in Florida so those summers out there um, can get really really difficult uh, conditions to be performing you know for a new batch of audiences every 10 minutes going around and uh, they are truly unsung heroes I think it, out at uh, the Disney parks for sure and uh, yes, I am biased. Yes, I am one of those guys. Um, but it's the truth. It really is. And uh, I will always fight for those guys, the skip and guys and gals that, that do the jokes. And um, it really is an awesome, awesome thing to uh, be a part of that Jungle Cruise family. So watching this movie, I was definitely happy with the, the jokes. The puns are there. The groans are there. Uh, you know, there's, there's one line in there where they just, they yell at him, you know, and he's making jokes in completely inappropriate places, you know, when there's doom, uh, you know, all around him and, and he says a joke and they say, you know, shut up, turn it off. And he says, I, I can't, I can't turn it off. I'm sorry. Uh, and that's me. Oh my God. I, I cannot turn it off. And, and the fact that I kind of can for this podcast, um, is amazing, you know, because I have a microphone and I'm bound to do some puns. Uh, it's just kind of the thing that we do. Um, the, the movie though, you know, the CGI, it works. Uh, it does have that touch of, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean to it as well as the mummy, and it's okay. It works that way. There's a lot of heart in the movie that I, I didn't expect, um, which I actually enjoyed. I thought Emily Blunt's character was okay. Um, I don't think there was a lot of depth into why she's doing what she's doing or any motivation like that. The uh, the brother was, was fun, um, again, but it, it's very similar to the relationship that you see in The Mummy with uh, those three characters there it it's very similar um but it was a good twist in the end and it was uh I, I enjoyed it i enjoyed how it worked out and uh i also enjoyed the fact that i i thought about this and and going on the jungle cruise you might notice that you go actually through uh four different rivers including the nile the amazon the mekong um and uh that leads me to think that there might be sequels in the future if this movie hadn't come out in a pandemic and performed maybe not as high as hopes as it wanted to because I man I would love to see them go to the Nile and do a, a whole African thing this movie takes place all in the Amazon um, which there's plenty of hijinks that ensue there and it's definitely definitely worth a trip to the movies to go see it and uh i i there were some comments there's some crudeness in there that i don't necessarily enjoy in a in a disney movie it is pg-13 so um i went uh without the kids to just watch it first and um i think i think my six-year-old almost six-year-old daughter i think she can handle it and it'll be fine um but that's probably the youngest and she's a very mature six-year-old almost six-year-old uh let's just put it that way and uh, yeah, so I'm going to give it a four out of five stars. And uh, yeah, that's probably a biased opinion. But you know what? That's my biased opinion. And there is nothing you can do about that because hit it, Skip. Sorry. <laughs> if somebody, if the if the Rock can say the backside of water and make the audience cheer, he's doing it right. And that's that's all that matters. 
And that's that's what I loved about that movie. Let's just put it that way. All right. Okay, so now we are going to move on with our guests. Uh, They've been waiting patiently, so I'm going to bring in Randy and Sarah now to talk about women in film and television, the new slow chapter coming up right now. And we are now joined by Randy Barros and Sarah Risley. Hi, ladies. Hello, Daniel. (laughs) How's it going? wonderful good good all right so you guys are here to um talk about an organization that that is up and coming and and we'll get into all that but first let's just get a little bit of background on each of you sarah you've been on the show before but for those who don't know why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll jump over to randy afterwards thanks daniel uh so my name is sarah risley i'm one of the founding members of the central coast film society yes she is really excited to be here and uh, I really was brought in because Daniel and Riza Georgie, our president, they knew I was a big movie nerd. And they also knew that I had a um, heart for our student programs and for establishing community events. And that's where I've really kind of taken the torch and tried to find a way for the Central Coast Film Society to thrive in our region. And that is how I met Randy. Yeah, and also I want to throw this out there that Sarah has been instrumental in helping get our student programs up and running as well. So big kudos to you, Sarah, for for getting all that and and with the never stop creating. I I mean you're you're awesome and and a great asset to the Central Coast Film Society. So thank you. I just want to say that publicly as well. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Daniel. So, so Randy, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and and what you do here on the Central Coast. Um. Hi. Well, I'm uh, a film editor. And- screenwriter and um, I've been on the Central Coast for about 11 years. I moved here um, kind of with the idea to just come here and write. My husband had just bought a business here and one of the first people I met uh, taught film courses at uh, Allen Hancock College. Um, so I started teaching there. She asked if um, if I could teach the editing class and I said, well, okay, as long as I can uh, teach screenwriting. Um, and so once the screenwriting professor went on sabbatical, I started teaching screenwriting there. And then um, moved over to Cal Poly, where I teach um, both a screenwriting and a filmmaking class uh, through the ISLA department. And um, and I continue to be an editor. I'm actually editing uh, four projects right now. Wow. And I'm writing screenplays. I know. It's too many. It's like four four projects at once is, is quite a bit, yeah. I know. It just uh, I, I wasn't editing anything for a few months. I just finished a documentary a few months ago. And I was kind of taking a break from editing and really focusing on screenwriting and teaching. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I got bombarded. So. Well, we're, when it rains, it pours, I guess. Um, exactly. But, but, okay, so you do you kind of got your hand, hand in uh, a lot of cookie jars there. What, what's, uh, what's some of your favorite things to do there? Is, is it editing or is it screenwriting? I mean, it sounds like screenwriting might be up there. I think screenwriting is yeah. is what I love the most. I just I always have from the beginning. The first time I ever you know took my first screenwriting class in you know undergrad, I just fell in love with it, and I've been writing ever since. And I would always you know edit enough to be able to take a couple months off to write and yeah. And um, so yeah, it's it's always been hard to integrate um, just with you know work and family coming first. But but now I'm um, I'm really focused on screenwriting and. Um, yeah, I'm really loving it. That's awesome. You know, and and one of the yeah. things that I, I I actually 
<laughs> I, I always talk about when I talk about filmmaking is that there are two people that make the movie really and it's the screenwriter and the editor um, yeah. it, it, and it's true it is very true because it's without those two guys or gals um, that yeah. th what you see on the movie really doesn't happen uh, you could have Steven Spielberg come in, but without that script, without that editor who puts whatever is shot on the screen um, is, is totally a different thing. And the editor, because, you know, I, I, I believe the editor actually maybe even has a stronger uh, uh, job and a more thankless job because you don't a, a good editor is one that you don't ever know that it's a cut or a, so a process and and it's one of those jobs that you know when i was growing up and i'm trying to learn well okay i know there's an editor but what is it that they do and you know as a kid i i was fascinated by it because i'm like i don't understand what it is that they do i don't understand what the cuts are and um but then of course once you get into school and you start learning all these processes of of things it, it, it's just amazing how much power that the editor actually has in terms of telling the story, setting a pace, setting the tone. Um, and that's something that even the screenwriter can't really do. So it, it, it's a very powerful role. And, and I, I definitely have my hats off to all the editors out there. Yeah, it's really interesting because editors really are so crucial to making something good. But the best editors are the ones that you just don't even notice their work. Yep. So, I mean, even myself, if I'm noticing the editing, it's usually because there's something wrong with it or, it, you know, it, I, there are exceptions, of course, you know, with films like, mm -hmm. I don't know, the one that stands out is Run Lola Run or one of the, you know, yeah. film where they upend the style. But well, you know, rules were made to be broken. And, and if, yeah. you, if you're doing it the right way and you know that that's the style that you're going for, that I think that's that's totally different, you know, but when when you make a cut from one shot to another and it's not <laughs> it's not uh coherent or it does, there's something jarring from one shot to the other it definitely stands out and and makes a makes it like oh that was that, yeah i saw that cut yes and editors often save actors performances <laughs> too yeah. you know just by you know it's know, it's true some, adding some of the emotion yep. by what you juxtapose you know if it if it might be missing so um i'm really loving fiction editing right now i mean I, documentary editing is, is amazing. I mean, it's, it's, well, it's like a big puzzle. But, but those are two different animals. Such different animals. And fiction editing is, is much more fun. <laughs> it's yeah. more like, you know, playing. Because it's just like, ooh, I get to put this together. with, And it's like there are a lot, a lot of options. But it's not infinite. Like with documentary, it's infinite. So, you know, that's why mm -hmm. I think they... They're like sculptures, you know, it takes a long, long time to sculpt everything together. Sure. Um, whereas with fiction, it's, it's a little more immediate. So yeah. I really, really it. Well, you know, and it, I because I I've edited a fair share of my, you know, my own independent movies, too. And like even when I was in film school, I was like uh, my my advanced editing theory class. We were like um, trying to find projects to do. And I wanted to, you know, go for broke. And I said, I want to I wanted to edit a feature length movie for my for my final and the problem was I didn't oh. have a I didn't have a feature length uh material to shoot with so I, I made one uh, so <laughs> so I took 10 days and I shot one and um we we put it together and it it, it worked but uh it it is it is insane the amount of work um that goes into it and and I yeah but I I love I love the fact that um 
You do have your hand in both documentary and and narrative as well, because uh, like like I was saying, they're different animals, but they're they're, I guess, rewarding in different ways because narratives, you're telling a story that's kind of just fun and and just getting out there and being a little bit I I don't want to say more creative but it's um it it it's showcasing a different side of of editing techniques where you have more freedom to do different things. I think in documentaries we're almost um accustomed to a certain style or formula of way, you know, depending on what it is, you know, going from talking heads to B-roll to you know, different things like that. And um, so, yeah, it, it's definitely, it's amazing that you're, you're able to kind of tip, dip into each side there. Yeah. And with, with Brandy's passion, you can hear it coming out. And the fact that she is so versatile in what she does, it's no wonder she's such an incredible teacher and mentor. It's been an absolute honor to see her work with the students, especially in this last year, uh, being able to see the short cuts uh, yeah. film festival that was hosted uh, about was it Randy a couple months ago you yeah, can see yes you can see your passion for these students and what they've been able to accomplish many of them who were not in necessarily going to be you know in film school or um, using film as their primary uh, degree and they created such incredible works and mm. that that to me I think is uh, that's a skill set that as much as I celebrate, you are an incredible editor, you are an incredible screenwriter, being able to give that off to another person and to give them a platform to grow, that is a, an, an incredible feat. Yeah, and, and that was something else I wanted to ask you about was was how how is it working with your students right now, given everything that's kind of going on, you know, and, and how are they taking the, the new environments? Well, it was a challenge, that's for sure, but... Um... My, my favorite saying that I say to the students till they're like <laughs> almost sick of hearing it is uh, the enemy of art is the absence of limitations. And um, that was an Orson Welles quote. And mm. it is that way anyway in normal times, especially at Cal Poly, we aren't a film school. You know, right. most of these students yeah. really only have these two classes. There, there are some other film, um, like, a you know, there are a couple classes in the um, art and design department. Um, too, but really it's not a film school. So it's, it's, it's a real learn by doing experience. And then add the pandemic, it was um, incredibly challenging, but um, it gave students um, a project that they were collaborating on. And I heard from so many of them that this is one of the things that helped save them during COVID because they, you know, they weren't, a lot of us, you know, kind of retreated to our own world because mm -hmm. of COVID. But in this case, filmmaking is so collaborative you have to work together and the great thing is that we were able to all come together um, at Slow Brew Rock for the screening and um, and we did that both winter quarter and spring quarter um, so it was the first time I had seen most of these students in person which was really fun and and they had all seen each other like a few of them got together to work in person but you know for most of them they were making their films you know, um, dis with distance, and so, which was a challenge in itself. So anyway, it was, it, it, it was quite a journey, and it, it was really rewarding. Good, yeah, no, that's awesome. And and you know, uh, Cal Poly. Um, I'm just going to share a little bit of my family uh, backstory here. Uh, I'm kind of the black sheep of the family in my in in my family. Um, I was the one that did not go to Cal Poly. 
and okay. um, <laughs> everybody went to Cal Poly. And uh, Cal Poly is an amazing school for, you know, multiple different things, uh, architecture, engineering, agriculture, and all that. They don't think film when they go there. And so it's it's awesome that you're there to be able to um, give that outlet because uh, it, it's quite obvious that the passion for filmmaking is still there. And, and you're still there and able to facilitate that because, you know, people – you still have that drive you know they still want to make yeah. movies um it, and it's an incredibly hard industry to break into so oh, sure. so it's awesome that you're there and you're still trying to nurture those those talents and those passions and well, a lot of the students are incredibly talented and some of yeah. them didn't even know they might have like loved writing but they had never tried screenwriting and the, i it's just you know you can tell sometimes from the first assignment that they just have this this gift for yep. screenwriting mm -hmm. and they just haven't had a chance to use it yet and so um it's it's really fun to see that um and then you know and then another student might just be you know naturally good at directing or cinematography or editing and you know as they come together and collaborate and they have i think because we screen the films like in the for the winter quarter the students show their films as part of the slow film festival mm -hmm. and then um for the spring quarter they show their films you know we've done it at the palm theater um and now slow brew um just like because they know that it's going to be shared with the public they really up their game you yeah. know and so that that's a big part of it too well is it, that coming together it's absolutely and that's something that you know we at the central coast film society are always trying to do is is to get those works out there because it's nice when you just make the movies and, and you can watch it at home and it's, it, you know, that's nice, but it's actually getting it out there for the public to see. Yes. And, and yes. It, it is, it is definitely a different, uh, it's a different mindset. I think when, when you're a student and you're going at it and you're just doing something for homework and an assignment versus I'm making this for people to actually watch and enjoy. Yeah. And then some of the films get into other film festivals. In fact, two of the films that we screened in June are now going to be in the um, Cambria Film Festival Summerfest. Nice. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so the students are you know, over the moon about that. And and you're uh, you're not stopping here. You're not stopping with just the teaching. And so this is why you and Sarah are both here is to talk about uh, a new little project that you guys are working on. Tell us about that. Um, well, one of my students approached me probably two or three years ago and said she wanted to start a women's film group on campus. And I thought, fantastic. And then I said, you know, there is the women um, women in film and television. Maybe you could do a student chapter. So she wrote to them and they said yes. Um, and then she started the process. But it took a while for, you know, the Cal Poly, you know, for the, them to accept it, mm -hmm. and then COVID hit. Yeah. And so, and then she graduated, and I thought, and then it was approved, but she was gone. And so I thought, this is so fantastic, but why don't we start a slow chapter because students are transient, and then the students can have a subchapter from that. And yeah. so then I mentioned it to Sarah Risley, who um, is just so passionate about film and local films and filmmakers. And she loved the idea. So we started, you know, um, the process of trying to bring a slow chapter of women in film and television, um, which, you know, has it's it's a little bit challenging because you have to incorporate and all that. I'll let Sarah talk about that stuff, too. 
Um, but we've had great interest, which is really good. And um, now the students chapter is official. We have, um, you know, a full team, a president, a vice president, a treasurer, wow. and they're going to be up and running in and September that's, full force. And that's all students. That's all students. Awesome. That one is on. That one's happening. And ours is going to be, but um, it's a little bit of a slower process. Yeah, we, we really saw that this was um, something needed in our community. We are a large area. We have people that range in a lot of different places. They live in different communities. And with all the work we've done in Central Coast Film Society and reaching out to local creators and filmmakers, we found similar challenges of, man, if I only had an actor or if I only had this or a composer, I could get my project done. And a lot of where we've been working and where Randy it want, you know, similarly is working is how do we get these people together, especially mm -hmm. for people who are you know, usually underrepresented in the film community, like our women in film and television. And that's where these two missions really align is how do we get together, get the resources and make these projects happen. And that's what I am most excited to see us uh, do here with U.S. women in film and television. Uh, there is a national organization. There are resources. There are other chapters within California. And by getting together and creating a San Luis Obispo chapter of women in film and television, we are now connected. We are connected to a larger state and a larger national organization and these are really going to be the things that we'll be able to provide not only to the students at Cal Poly, other students we're hoping to establish other chapters in the future because we do have other film schools in our region. We are also looking to expand it out towards, although it is San Luis Obispo chapter, we have communities that are on the edge of our counties that you know may not have another chapter that they're directly tied to. So we are interested in having anyone of any walk of life who is in the industry, who is looking to be in the industry and is wanting to be part of a tighter community to make these projects and these creative works happen, that is our ultimate goal. Yeah, I feel like there are so many talented people who are um, either working in film or promoting film or, or involved with the Slow Film Festival, all of that in this community. And, um, you know, we we want we want to build more community with them and um, i've mentioned it to a few people there's also a lot of people who worked in la um, who now live in the san luis obispo um, county um, you know they fell in love with it up here and mm -hmm. decided to come and um, are working remotely and so many of them when i mentioned the possibility that we were going to put this together were like yes yes please do please do because they you know they want that connection with other filmmakers um, and film lovers in the community. So it sounds like th this is a fantastic way for for just the local community to get together, uh, especially women in film and television, to um, to get together and, and network and be able to share stories and, and kind of grow that strong bond uh, between themselves and, and, and say, yeah, we, we're going to go do this. We're going to go make some projects and come along with us. And I, yeah. I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. And as Sarah mentioned, you know, we now have this connection with the national right. um, yeah. organization. And um, there are just so many people involved with that, you know, and then also these wonderful workshops, you know, how to get your film produced um, with people who are out there doing it. And it's 
and and you can you know shoot them an email because they are in the same organization with you and and have that connection with them as well um, so that's really wonderful so tell us a little bit more about like joining your process or your organization like what what's the process for somebody if they're interested in doing that so daniel i feel like you are obviously an expert in this as well uh, when you're when you're looking to uh, create a nonprofit, that is uh it's it's actually quite a long road, right? We have a number of steps ahead of us. We want to make sure that we are doing it and, you know, within the IRS guidelines, within the California guidelines, yep. and we're learning a lot about, you know, starting a nonprofit and establishing. And luckily, we do have, you know, the experience we have from the Central Coast Film Society. Yeah, we do. <laughs> as, as well as uh, a lot of lessons learned and information from all of the either national or regional women in film and television chapters. And we're walking down that road. It requires getting a board, right? So mm-hmm. not only do we want to establish this community, but we need community members who are ready to be in this with us to get every step of the way and start really making it happen. We need to get our, you know, uh, IRS number. We need to establish bank accounts. And it's funny how in order to create a nonprofit, you have to have money. Uh, and, <laughs> right. and that <laughs> that is one of the things that we'll look at doing, initial funding. How do you fund a nonprofit to get it its uh, 501c3 status so that you can then collect funds? I mean, it, it is a little bit of chicken in the egg. Yep. But uh, part of what we're going to do is, you know, help. we'll help explain that process. We'll help talk through what does that look like and what is the timeline. It can be rather long, even in California. Uh, so we are uh, learning and working with uh, other presidents of the Ca- uh, California Women in Film and Television chapters, like our presidents up in the San Francisco Bay Area, as well as Santa Barbara, we have great, uh, you know, regional help there, and they also want to see this area succeed because mm-hmm. if this region succeeds, their region succeeds, and that's something that we're in it together. We really like having that partnership, as well as the national ch- um, organizations behind helping us get up and running. Yeah, that national organization, um, I, I can only imagine, is a is a great resource for you. I mean, when we when we started the film society, we we kind of didn't have anything. We were going at it blind, but you know, and, and it took a long process. I think for us, it was uh, just about a year long process to actually get all the paperwork and filings and everything returned. And yeah, it does take that that startup money. So, you know, any support that can go towards the the slow whiff, uh, you know, do it, make it happen. Um, because it, it, it sounds like it needs to. And it sounds like that. Uh, I mean, what do you see as being the biggest reward for somebody joining WIFT? Like, what, what's the biggest benefit to them? What, what do you think that they are going to get out of it versus some a, a different club, you know? So one of the values that I see is that we talk a lot when we do our, either our panels or, you know, speaking panels or networking events is that everyone goes, oh my gosh, I really wish we had this. But if it doesn't exist and it's not on a calendar, you'll, you're going to be working on your own project. You're going to be working on your own uh, life and things. And it's very hard to create that individually. When you become part of a WIFT chapter, you're not creating these opportunities, you're taking advantage of them. And that's where we see the biggest value for our 
local community is that we'll not only be able to rally and create these opportunities together, but we're going to be able to take advantage of those larger national opportunities as well. As Randy mentioned, there are almost monthly speakers panels, there are workshops, there are discounts for equipment, there are different things that we'll be able to pass on to our local members, as well as building these, uh, you know, in-person relationships and um, projects. And we want to start, you know, with, with our own, um, you know, we want to have speakers, we want to have workshops, we want to um, be able to provide scholarships to students who want to study film. Um, these are all goals of ours um, that I think are very, very attainable. Um, you know, so, and, and of course we want the community, you know, um, we all, humans want community with other humans mm -hmm. and, you know, there are a lot of filmmakers who are so busy and working on their own um, and not really, you know, I know we have the Central Coast Film Society, um, which is great because you guys are really helping to bring some community um, into this area. But I feel like we need more. And hopefully um, this, you know, the organizations will work alongside each other. I've heard from um, Sky McLennan, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but she's yeah. um, the new director of the Slow Film Festival. And she loves the idea of us putting this together because she wants to find ways that the film festival um, can work uh, with women in film and television and slow. Um, so it's, it's just, you know, more opportunities for people to work together and and get their own projects completed. Absolutely, I, I completely agree with Randy. I see a lot of these organizations, and uh, you know, part of why the Central Coast Film Society was established is that there were three people on our board who all came out of high school from the San Fernando Valley. Daniel being one of them, all went off and did their own things, and really felt like, man, I wish we had something here. We had something in our own backyard that we were able to provide back to the community because there are so many people from this region, you know, between San Francisco and LA who love, you know, cinema, entertainment, digital media, but may not know how to hone in those skills and then transfer them into a career. So we wanted to do that for our region. And now the more, the better. I mean, this whole area could use the more groups, the more nonprofits, the more people who are rallying together and creating these opportunities. Each opportunity takes a certain amount of time and energy and resources. The more people we have working alongside us to make that happen, the better it is for our entire region. And that's ultimately what we want to see. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, and, and you hit it on the head, Sarah, with what, what the film society is trying to do is, is we're not, we're, we're open to everybody. You know, we, we, we are open to, uh, filmmakers and we are open to moviegoers and just fans of movies that want to sit around and talk about what movies we love and hate and, you know, <laughs> and just pick them apart. And that, that's what we are. We're, we're, we're much more laid back and just kind of all that, but we still want to foster that inspiration and creativity with our, with our young people here on the central coast as well. Um, and, and really kind of help that. So in any way that we can, we want to support organizations like what you guys are putting together um, because it, it's awesome. And, and really, it is, it's a benefit for the entire community. It's a benefit for the entire industry because we are pulling people up who may not have had that idea. Like 
I'm going to go to Cal Poly because I'm on one track, but then all of a sudden I took this class and now I'm just like, yeah, I, I, this is my calling, my passion, I'm doing this. So that those stories are not, uh, they're not rare. Let's put it that way. And, and I think the more resources that, that are out there and available to the public, the, the better everyone's going to be, especially for film as an art form for anybody from any walks of life. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Um, so, so, uh, sorry, go ahead, Sarah. I, I, I was going to bring up something else real quick. Oh, no, I think ahead. we were just going to talk about, uh, and we're one, the first opportunity for us to do this. That's what I was going to bring up as yes, well, that, because that's what I, <laughs> 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 well, take us home. Uh, we are going to uh, be together in person, but outside at the Tolosa tasting room. Uh, we are going to do our chapter kickoff, as well as our first networking and meetup event here in San Luis Obispo. Uh, as mentioned before, you do not have to be a resident within San Luis Obispo County. If you are in the region and you're interested, you are more than welcome. And we, are, uh, we want to hear from you. We want to see you. We want to know what are your needs? How can an organization like Women in Film and Television take away barriers, help you get your projects made? What can we do to best serve this group? And, you know, I just want to mention that even though it is Women in Film and Television, um, you know, people of all genders are welcome uh, to be a part of our organization. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, this is going to be our kickoff meeting. We're going to uh, be at Tolosa. It's uh, this next Saturday. I believe it's August 7th at three o'clock. And we have some great women who are already um, have RSVP'd and said that they're coming and we're so excited. Um, and um, yes, if this is something that you're interested in, please join us. Awesome. Yep. Join us, bring a friend, bring three. We, we were excited <laughs> to see all of you and hear what uh, what we can do to make this process start and finish and hopefully we'll we'll be able to be fully incorporated here in uh, the near future that's awesome is there is there a place to RSVP or uh, a cost or anything for anybody it is absolutely free uh, we do have an event page on the Central Coast Film Society uh, Facebook page. Check it out. Uh, if you want to RSVP there, that yep. is great. Um, you can also reach out directly to Randy and I at slowwomeninfilm at gmail.com. Fantastic. All right. Well, Randy and Sarah, thank you so much for coming. And um, honestly, uh, best of luck in this because we, we want to work with you guys as well and getting just fantastic projects made here from of the women and, and everybody on the Central Coast. And and uh, I just, I, I wish the best for you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Daniel. All right. Take care. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. So there you have it, folks. We kind of have an event coming up here with the slow uh, whiff coming up. And all the details for that can be found on our Facebook page. It can be found in the uh, in the information just below in the description of this podcast. So definitely check them out. Um, it's, it's a great resource, and I'm I'm thrilled to be able to help uh, 
support them in, in any way absolutely possible. And uh, with that, that is a wrap on this edition of Take 18. This has been a production of the Central Coast Film Society, a 501c3 charitable organization, which means we couldn't make this show or anything we could do without your generous support. And also, at this time, I'd like to say thank you to a big sponsor of ours, Coast Hills Credit Union, for helping us out making this podcast. Thank you so much, Coast Hills. Uh, you really, really help us go a long way. So anything that you guys can do to help out as well really, really makes us be able to do these shows, uh, do it frequently, and get some amazing guests to come on. And it's all because of you. That is how we, that's how we keep the lights on here in the Take 18 studios. So please help make a difference by making a donation. We got memberships for sale, or you can just visit one of our events. Even clicking on a like button or a share really helps us uh, just grow and, and keep going in, in all the best ways possible. Visit our website, centralcoastfilmsociety.org, for more information. Sign up for our newsletter and follow us there on the social media. Now, I want to thank you for staying all the way to the end. Also, again, thank you. Big shout-out to Coast Hills. Uh, this is Take 18. We're getting lots of buzz. And you are right there, and you've got your front row. Now, just make sure you got the popcorn, all right? Thank you all for your support. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And that's a take.